Hi, my name is Jesse Durham. Welcome to another episode where today we will be discussing gold, silver, the precious metals. Let's start with some definitions. Money is a means of exchange. If, if we can understand that dollars are just today's means of exchange for us here in America, that we would exchange dollars for gas, gas for dollars, dollars for groceries, groceries for dollars, dollars for a house, a house for dollars, dollars for a car, a car for dollars. So if it's just a means of exchange, that's a good foundation. It's very simple, I know, but it's very necessary as well to this discussion, I believe, of the infinite banking concept as described in R. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Banker, and gold or silver. And again, I'm not making any uh, promotions or suggestions. Not con This doesn't constitute any form of advice, but we're having a discussion about gold, silver, precious metals. So if money is a means of exchange, which it is, it's worthy of note also that when I've specifically mentioned dollars that the United States dollar is not on a gold standard now, whereas it has been before. There's a really neat history right there. Check that out. In the 1970s, the dollar coming off of a gold standard. Really interesting. Check that out. Do some digging and some research there. But if we recognize that dollars are a means of exchange, let's also recognize that wealth, because these are, these are words that are used in these areas, in these fields, in these industries. Wealth, ultimately, when we break it down, is a representation of goods and services. Again, think about what it is that we do with money, for example. If we are in need of a vehicle and we have dollars, that medium of exchange, we will exchange a certain number of dollars, either cash, of course, or we will finance someone else's money to be able to procure a vehicle for ourselves to which we would then pay back principal plus interest. Regardless, we would be taking our means of exchange dollars to procure a vehicle for ourselves. We would be buying a good. Also, we would be using a service, which is why we would be paying interest to a commercial bank or a third-party lender. So goods and services represent wealth. Again, in the car example, the person that is selling a vehicle to us is providing us with a good that we are procuring, so they're getting paid for their effort and ownership and risk and everything that they do in running a business to sell vehicles. Um, in the case of the financing, again there, a service was provided to us and we as the consumer would pay uh, for that, as I mentioned. And in general, it's always good to remember that a consumer is the one that pays for everything. You know, we've seen a lot of price inflation here recently in lots of different fields. So let me just quickly point out that, you know, if wood prices, lumber prices increase, gasoline prices, toilet paper prices, anything, fill in the blank there, increases, it is the consumer that will ultimately pay for that. Sure, businesses have to change and adapt and things happen there, but they don't completely absorb that, obviously, because if the 
price increases for them to purchase, you know, raw materials or the transportation of those materials, etc., then that will be passed on to the consumer. So again, money is a means of exchange. Wealth is really represented in goods and services. Now that will bring us to gold, silver, precious metals themselves. There's, there's a laugh there when I say precious metals amongst firearms enthusiasts, for example, about lead being a precious metal. I think it's funny. Um, regardless, precious metals have intrinsic value. Again, I'm not making anything other than just a discussion here. Precious metals have intrinsic value. You know, copper is used in wiring. You know, I have lights that are running right now because of copper wiring. You know, <laughs> I held up this, this silver coin to, to demonstrate uh, for this video. You know, silver is used in many, many different things, as well as gold. Gold is used in many, many different things. We all, we have electronics nowadays everywhere all around us. So there is intrinsic value, meaning that there is value in and of itself in these things. Sure, history shows us that, you know, precious metals, whether for adornment or as a means of exchange or to represent an investment, whatever, have held you know, value with people, but also there is an inherent, there is an intrinsic value in these metals just because, and again, I'm not saying go get them. I'm not saying not go get them. That's up to you. What I do promote here is that you should be your own banker, which means that you should be at the helm of all of your financial decisions. And when I say you, that could mean you and your lawyer, and you're an investment advisor, and your tax everybody, everybody in your corner. The idea behind becoming your own banker is bringing banking back to the me and you level. It's being in control of your financial future, maintaining financial independence for yourself. Again, I believe there's val great value to be had in paying professionals that are competent in what they do, that bring a value to what you do financially, whether that's in your household or in a traditional business that you own and run, you're investing, whatever the case may be. Professionals have their place, but also let us recognize that there is nobody that feels, you know, your risk aversion, your personal finance is personal, right? I'm just a believer that we should be making the decisions about what to do with our money and be in control of the process to include the banking function. So let's, let's walk out a scenario then. I know I'm saying many different things here. Let's walk out a scenario. You earn income however it is that you earn income. Earned income, passive income, residual income, portfolio, etc. Somehow, you probably like myself today have spent some dollars, earned some dollars, spent and earned. Okay. Again, money is a means of exchange. It's coming, it's going, we're using it. So when we earn, regardless of how we earn, I would throw out a question here of how are we taxed on those earnings? It's just good to be aware of. 
And then let's say we did want to procure anything. We're talking about gold and silver and such because I, I know it's important to many people or even at the point of we're just curious and we want to learn more. So again, in this scenario, if we've already paid taxes on our earned or our passive, whatever the case may be, income, and we are ready to procure anything, won't we then again pay taxes for what it is that we're buying, whether it is a piece of gold, whether it is an electronic, whether it is a vehicle? I'm just saying, let's consider these things. And then, you know, what does it take to store what it is that we buy? Do we pay any taxes there? So again, we can't really have, in my opinion, a discussion of personal finance, becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept, uh, without recognizing taxes. Again, I'm not a tax expert, but I recognize that taxes exist, and I believe we should account for what we do. So taxes on our earnings, taxes on the things that we procure for ourselves or maintain or store, taxes should be considered. Um, another question may be concerning gold and silver and such. You know, should you or I or anybody uh, buy physical gold, physical silver? You know, and then do you buy numismatic? Do you buy bullion? Do you buy, I mean, just it's really interesting uh, everything that's out there and available. And again, I'm not making any recommendations of any sort. I'm just saying the things that I've thought about, things that many of you may have considered before, uh, things maybe that you haven't. And if this is just thought-provoking, fantastic. You know, but you know, what do you get? How do you store it? What are the tax implications? Why are you getting it? That's a great question. You know, why would we be getting something? Is it are we getting gold or silver or anything else because we expect that to be an investment? What kind of investment? What do we expect to be the end result of that if we consider it an investment? As a currency? As a means of exchange in and of itself? As a way to diversify our portfolio? You know, let's throw in some acronyms. Uh, you know, FOMO, or do we have a fear of missing out? Or are we preparing for a SHTF, there are so many different acronyms. So, you know, why would we consider getting gold or silver? Why would we not want to consider getting it? These are just great questions to be able to ask ourselves and come to our own independent decisions on what we would like to do and, you know, why we would like to do it that way. Now, let's do one of my favorite things, and that's consider a story. There's a story from the Bible where... Someone had three individuals that were tasked on his long trip. He was going to be taking a long trip on his long trip. Each of those three individuals were tasked and provided with a certain amount of money. You know, talents is, is the phrase there. It's money. They were given a certain amount of money each. One was given five units. One was given two units. One was given one unit. And they were tasked with doing something with it, you know. This guy's going to go on a long trip. These three are left behind to be able to work and do things. Well, as it turns out, the one that received five 
traded. You know, the word there is is traded. So it would seem, and we don't have a detailed description, but it would seem that there was some active business going on. I mean, no matter what it is that you're doing, if over the span of a specific amount of time, results doubled, it's probably a, a great a great day. Okay. Well, the one that had two units, two talents, uh, did the same thing, was able to double you know, the profits uh, there also and, and get up to four. So the five got to up to 10, the two got up to four. The individual that was given one talent that had the one unit actually uh, didn't trade, uh, didn't do anything other than go and dig a hole and bury it. You know, it's probably uh, really secretive. And, and I think that the wording in that particular parable, and again, if you'd like to read it, Matthew chapter 25, uh, Parable of the Talents. Uh, whether you're a Bible reader or not, I just this is a great financial lesson here. That When I actually started to write down all the characteristics that I was noticing from that parable, and I've read it many times before, it, the list just kept going, and we'll talk about that. So the one buried the talent, and when all four of them get back together after the long trip, uh, you know, where the owner of these talents that had assign them to each of these individuals returns and they all get together you know the one that started out with five that gained five more said you know i've traded here are the five plus five you know he gets a big pat on the back you did great well done good and faithful um same thing for the two the one that took two made two more i mean 100 percent return doubled what it started out with got up to four, said, hey, I traded, you know, we see that wording there, you know, I traded, I did business. There's there's definitely, even though there's not a detailed description, there's definitely an active meaning behind these words. And you just know it has to be the case because of doubling, you know, what you start out with. That's That's exponential growth. That's fantastic. And then we get down to the one who had that single unit, that single talent, and buried it. And there's actually a particular word there that, I, that I've that i noticed as of late more, and it's the word fear. You know, that guy said, you know, I was afraid, I feared, okay? And we see that played out in, in his decision to, you know, secretively carry this, dig a hole, bury it, cover it up, not touch it, stay away from it. You know, whether that was a fear of, disappointing this person that had entrusted the talent to to this individual, whether that was a fear of an inability within that person, whether that was, you know, just a, just a fear of trying. There's lots to unpack there, no doubt. Regardless, that talent was taken from that individual. The owner said, well, give me that, okay, that's that's horrible. Um, no pat on the back there. That's horrible. Let's give that talent to the one that had five and made five more. So when it was all said and done, one was given five and ended up with 11, and it was just going to go from there. You know, and the other one that had two that gained two more, well done, good, faithful, big pat on the back. So I think that there are a lot of lessons there as far as what we see is that those talents represented a static 
asset. So could that talent have been sold for something else? Yes, just like we spoke about money being a means of exchange earlier, car for money, money for car, um, money for groceries, groceries for... So could that have been exchanged for a commodity or a service? Because remember, wealth is commodities or uh, goods and services. Commodities can be goods. But the talent itself, a metal, even though it had intrinsic value, what we see is buried in the ground did nothing. It's not a seed to literally be planted in the ground. Now, again, if you want to go bury gold and silver somewhere, go bury gold and silver somewhere. I don't care. But what I'm saying here, what we can learn is that there for sure is a difference between something that is static, locked up, unmoving, hidden, buried, versus something that out in the world, out in the marketplace, through business and trade and activity can yield exponential growth. Now, here I simply must say that for sure, there's another key word that is mentioned in that parable, okay, that is somewhere in between the spectrum of this activity Activity, this productivity, this trading and business on this end of the spectrum over to the other end of the spectrum, which was dig a hole and bury it, where it does nothing, provides no service to anyone. Um, and again, some would argue with me there. It provides a service of you know, security, peace of mind. But again, you have to account for a lot of things as well. So again, I'm not saying one way or another, get gold, don't get gold. That's up to you. But we're making some illustrations. We're having a discussion here. So on this spectrum of production, activity, trading, business, and then burying something and not doing anything with it, it's locked up, it's tied up, can't touch it, don't touch it, fear. In between there, when the owner of these talents came back and they were still having their powwow, he actually said to the one that buried it, he said, at least you should have given the talent over to other people so that I could at least get an interest, I could get a usury, I could get some growth on this talent, on this unit, on this money, these funds, while I was gone. And sure, you know, we've seen higher and lower interest rates on anything from a checking account, a savings account, CDs, other paper assets over the years that may not yield the same results as real estate or, or other investments for sure. And yet there can be growth. So obviously the owner was, you know, upset about not getting anything back. I mean, he, he, he handed over, um, you know, this talent for a certain period of time. It seems like it was a long journey from the way the story reads. And he got back and there was there was nothing else added to it. In fact, a common point that I make on the channel is that, and it's because I learned it from Nash in his book, you know, 
interest is always at stake. Economic value added, EVA, is always at stake. Either we borrow someone else's money to finance whatever it is that we do in our life and we pay them interest for it, or we forfeit the economic value that could have been added to our own funds if we're just saving up funds somewhere. It doesn't matter if it's in a mason jar, under the mattress, in a in a savings account, in a checking account. We're missing out on the economic value that could have been added to our funds there if we're just trying to pay cash for things. Okay, And what the infinite banking concept provides for us is a way to be able to do everything. You know, it's becoming your own banker. It's having a place to be able to amass wealth, to warehouse it, to keep it, to store it, to give it a home, a landing place, okay, before it goes off to a destination that we're sending it to for something that we're going, some good or service that we're going to consume or that we're going to procure, doesn't matter. But we have an entity that we own and control and a system in place to be able to receive funds, store them, warehouse them, deploy them when we choose, recapture that back into our system, plus interest, you know, all while having, you know, a lot of advantages, tax advantages, tax-free transfer of wealth, you know, protection against litigation in many states. I mean, just so many different things. A death benefit tied to that appreciating asset. So, other characteristics that we see from this this story of the talents. You know, what we saw from the talent was that it was static. It was locked up. There wasn't any growth in the ground. And that's that's a phrase that I use here myself often is, you know, what I want to promote is the idea of digging up buried talents. You know, it doesn't do us any good to bury our talents in the ground when we're financing everything that we do anyway one way or another we're financing everything that we do why not do that for ourselves why not get that money back into our family so static assets versus you know active and productive assets meaning cash flowing assets you know, there are different ways to own a home, for example, as well. You know, one way is just as a consumer, you know, get a mortgage on one or pay cash for one. Either way, you know, pay to procure it, pay the taxes on it, property taxes, etc. Own it, consume it, use it. Um, another way is, and there's so many ways, this is a big field right here. You know, another way, though, is to rent that home out and have a passive cash flow. You know, have the consumer, because again, remember, the consumer pays for everything. Have the consumer pay for the property taxes, pay for the mortgage, pay for the upkeep, plus a profit. Again, if everything's done the way that it should be, and again, I'm not making any suggestions, but there are different ways to be able to use the same asset. You know, one... The equity is tied up in, in the sheetrock, in the lumber. And unless we leverage that equity, it's a static asset. Does a home add something to a net worth? Sure, but how do you realize that? You have to sell it. So that that should probably suffice right there for, for talking about houses. We'll have to we'll have to do we'll do 
separate and individual specific you know episodes for real estate and homes etc so static assets active assets cash flowing assets commodities again the fear concept you know i believe that fear comes into personal finance it doesn't matter what area we're talking about running a business investing whatever the case may be banking fear comes from not knowing you know when you are learning to ride a bike that can be a fearful situation when you are uh, you know, if you've ever watched a child, I've, I've, I've helped all my children learn to ride a bike and swim and different things. When you're seeing that take place for the first time and they just don't know, I mean, that's where you see the fear. The excitement comes when they know how to ride a bike, when they know how to swim and they're ready to jump in the pool, jump on the bike and take off. So, again, I would say that the best asset that we could have probably is education knowledge being aware and certain of what it is that's going on and again that ties back into the whole the whole crux of everything that i'm doing right here which is educating on bringing banking back to the me and you level you becoming your own banker i would also point out some other things from that parable such as you see the contrast of an abundance mentality where a couple of those individuals took what was given to them and they produced massive results, exponential growth from where they started, whereas another expressed a, a fear or a scarcity mentality, was afraid to try anything, afraid to do anything, buried the talent. Okay, So we see this abundance versus scarcity mentality played out you know, getting a pat on the back on this side, you know, getting getting told off on the other side. You know, I just love that example because it talks about so many different things in the parable of the talents. It talks about banking itself. It talks about interest. It talks about trading. It talks about growth. What we're seeing take place is passive income. You know, there are a couple of ways to be able to earn. You know, one way to be able to earn is time. You know, whether it's whether it's our time or like we see here, someone else's time. See, this individual, the owner of these talents, was able to employ these other three to the task of producing more uh, on top of what was given to them to get started with. And some there was no return. You know, it's really a loss. Having have sure that that one talent was given back, but it's the time that the, was the most expensive part of that equation. So we can always make more money, can't make more time, unless we consider the fact that by using money well, we can get more time. I mean, if you could learn to make, and this is just a thought process, but if you could learn to make the same amount in a month that it takes to make in six months, didn't you just essentially gain five months more for yourself? Because you wouldn't be occupied in the same way moving forward. You know, if you could figure out a way to earn in a week what you used to make in a month. So again, that's that's just food for thought. You know, if you can figure out how to make in an hour what it used to take to make in a month, it's a beautiful thing is what I'm saying. And it will cause us to look at time differently. So really, time was the most valuable part of that equation. 
And that's why I believe that it represents a loss for the owner of that talent to, even though he's getting his, his single talent back, the time is where the loss is expressed. Fortunately, it wasn't his own, but it was the time locked up with uh, the talent that he left behind. And then on others, the, the other two, he saw great gains. So overall, it was a great way to earn passive income by leveraging. So leverage would be another big thing here because there are a couple things being leveraged. There are other people's time being leveraged to produce income, revenue, profits for the owner, and also money at work that's earning more money. So that's a beautiful parallel to what banks do, you know, we are essentially being employed by commercial banks, you know, by, by borrowing their money. And when I say their money, and that's, that's an interesting topic in and of itself, you know, was that money actually just pulled out of midair the moment that we signed whatever agreement that we did with them, you know, just digits on a screen or was more money, money actually printed. So that's its own thought. Either way, the consumers of a bank, you we use we would use our time, our efforts, our money that we have at that point to be able to make more money back for the commercial bank. So why not do that for ourselves? Become your own banker. Consider that. So static assets, commodities, exchange, trade. Fear versus abundance, uh, scarcity versus abundance. We see cash flow taking place for the owner, even though he's not there. He's on a trip. He could be on vacation for all we know. I mean, just imagine that concept. Being the owner, being the one in control, saying, I'm going to put five here. I'm going to put two here. I'm going to put one there. This is what I want done with that. I'm going to go on vacation or not. A business trip, whatever. It's nice to be able to choose. It's nice to be the owner. Again, become the owner of your own bank. And come back after having leveraged other people's time and money to be able to produce exponential results for yourself. So again, I highly encourage you to check out Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. There are a lot of lessons there for us. I believe when considering becoming your own banker. Now let's take an example right from the Becoming Your Own Banker book. You know, Nelson Nelson talked about a time when there was a big increase in, in the price of precious metals at the time. And um, he and his wife had been somewhere traveling. They were away from home. He came back early and, and he, before she did. And he said he was glad that he did because he didn't think that she would otherwise want to be able to come back after seeing what had happened. And what had happened was that, you know, he was burglarized. His house was broken into. Everything was rummaged, made an absolute mess of. He describes that experience. I've, I've never experienced that myself. Thank goodness. But he describes his experience and, and it was all because, you know, somebody with, you know, a, a drug problem or, or just, you know, a, a thief decided to come in, break his house up and steal whatever, you know, silverware they could they could get to some heirloom silver or whatever. So, yes, silver is, gold is, precious metals are. An interesting subject 
Nash talked about it. That's why I want to talk about it. And again, even though I'm not making any suggestions other than that we consider all these different things that we've covered, especially the part of becoming your own banker, you know, because he told that story uh, in part because that was one of his key principles when laying out what it means to become your own banker because he would talk about the Willie Sutton law, you know, that people either legally or illegally would choose to separate us from our money. So it's a it's a valid point to consider. So I hope that this has been helpful. The discussion of silver and gold and the infinite banking concept and everything that we've covered in looking at the 25th chapter of Matthew and from Nelson Nash's book. If you would like to have a discussion about how you could apply the infinite banking concept into your household for your business or your investing, call 828-817-4223 or email durhamtalents at gmail.com. I hope you have a great day. 